Welcome to episode number 69 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Mountain Weather, your source for weather in the mountains, in Jackson Hole and beyond. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash mountainweather to learn more. Hello from my worldwide headquarters located in the heart of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Today's guest was born right here in Jackson Hole at the only hospital which services our town. Daryl is a father, master glass cleaner, ski film producer, and one rad badass skier. In this episode, Daryl Miller will share a little about growing up here in Jackson Hole. He'll discuss some of his mentors from the local ski scene and what it has taken to create 20 years worth of rad ski films. You might ask what makes Daryl's ski films unique in comparison to all of the other ski films? Well, he will share that with us today during this episode. Daryl will also discuss what it takes to make it right here in Jackson Hole and how he keeps the fire burning in his belly day after day, year after year. Daryl, thank you for coming to have an interview with me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Nice of you to come out of the editing studio. Pleasure. It's good to get out of the editing studio. So we were talking in the pre-show, and you are editing right now 20 years of footage for your 20th release of film. Yep. And the name of your filming company is? Storm Show Studios. All right. And what type of films have you been putting out? We've been making local Jackson Hole ski and snowboard films, uh, mountaineering in the Tetons, going real deep in the winds and the Grovants, adrenalized ski flicks, I like to call them. It's uh, not your mom and pop's old school, boring kind of film. It's, uh, you know, heavy hitting music and big airs, deep powder. We've had uh knocked off a handful of first descents over the past couple decades and um yeah, it's been a lifelong passion. I can't believe we've made it to 20 years already. Congratulations. That's huge. I'm only into this for a year and a half. I can't imagine 20 years. That's awesome. You might be ready to retire when you get to 19. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So, I liked what you said. It's it's about here locals Tetons. What better idea to have a local filming local skiing. You were born and raised here, right? Yeah, born uh, 1975. And, you know, that being said, I, I don't take this filming gig lightly. Um, I've kind of felt it was almost my duty to, to document uh, Jackson ski history. And, um, you know, you said it, you said it, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. What better person to do this than someone that was uh, born and raised here? So I've, I've seen... Uh, seen the town grow up i've seen jackson old mountain resort grow up you know i remember when thunderlift was uh made out of wooden sticks and you huh. know before the gondola was here and um so just trying to give uh give and show respect to the you know skiers and mountaineers that came before us and um yeah just uh you know document ski history so people don't forget what true ski bumism was like in jackson cool and that's probably its own industry or culture of scheme bumism. It's important. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of a dying breed here in Jackson. Um, you know, a lot of people that have moved here in the past, whatever, five, 10 years, um, they don't know that history. You know, they don't know or haven't heard of the Jackson Hole Air Force and, uh, you know, Bill Briggs for Ski Descent of the Grand Teton. And I think it's important that, uh, 
you know, to really, really um, get a grasp on what it's, you know, like to live in Jackson, you got to know your history. So I think you have to know your history for any, anything. It's important to know history so it, you can grow and get better at things, but totally also respect agree. what people experienced and lived in the past as well. It's important. Yeah, well said. So your parents, you said, came out here in the 60s. What brought them out here? Um, I, my dad was always a big hunter and uh, fisherman, and he loved going up on Jackson Lake with his boat, and even uh, when they used to allow ice ice fishing up there with, uh, what were those things called? The ice uh, planes? Yeah, ice uh, snow planes. Snow planes. Yeah, yeah, got a big propeller on the back. Um, yeah, he would go up there with his ice auger and drill a drill a hole in the ice and pull out big Mackinaws. And, um, so yeah, he was just always into hunting, hunting and fishing. My dad grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and that's where, uh, my mom and him met when, when was that? I, that must've been in the fifties, I suppose. But, um, yeah, they made, they made, you know, trips up here off and on in the, uh, you know, before they moved here. And I think my dad just couldn't wait to get out of Cheyenne. He lived there his whole life. And, uh, and yeah, Jackson was always just a dream to him, and that's where he raised his raised his family. That's awesome. Very fortunate that you were born and raised here. And you mentioned some significant topics in the introduction here. You mentioned that you feel like you're documenting and paying homage to the history of skiing here in Jackson Hole. And also you mentioned the Jackson Hole Air Force. Um, and then you also talked about Bill Briggs. He was, he's been a guest on one of the episodes, which was really interesting to hear his, uh, detailed story of his ascent and descent of the grand. Awesome. I can't wait to hear that. I'll check Um, it out. Yeah, please do. So tell me the ski industry and the ski history here in Jackson hole. What, what intrigues you about that history? Um, you know, it's just, it's so rich and I think it's kind of, uh, the Jackson Hole ski scene has kind of shaped the rest of skiing in the country in some respects. Um, a lot of the early hardcore skiers, uh, you know, Doug Coombs and the Hunt brothers, they went up and, you know, brought, brought Jackson Hole ski style up to Alaska, as far as I know, you know, and I think just the whole ski industry in, in this country and even you know, in other places in the world have, have paid attention to um, how Jackson Hole skiers have done their thing. And, you know, like I said, Bill Briggs ushered in a whole new whole new era of uh, ski mountaineering with the Grand Teton Descent. And, you know, people weren't really doing that stuff at the time, at least in, in the U.S. Um, you know, people were biting off big lines over in Europe and stuff. But um, so, yeah, just I'm glad you said that paying, paying homage to, uh, the people that have laid the lines before us is, is really important to me. And what was it like you growing up here and you becoming, you know, basically you setting your foundation in the ski industry, you're doing that through film. What has that been like? What got you so interested and passionate about this? I probably wasn't too into the scene until I almost got out of high school. We were kind of dabbling in some uh, video production stuff in some classes in high school, you know, and back then it was like VHS tapes and, um, you know, there wasn't 
digital linear editing at that point. So we were like almost cutting the film with razor blades and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I just saw like, uh, I saw Rob Kingwell and Arden Oaksanen, you know, I graduated with those guys and they were, uh, they kind of got me stoked on the ski scene. Cause I saw that those guys were making their own kind of high school ski videos and, I thought it was awesome, you know. They were going out filming their friends, jumping off cliffs and uh, deep pow, and it they made it look fun. And um, I kind of probably rode their coattails a little bit with Storm Show, you know. And also just seeing the uh, the progress of TGR Teton Gravity. Um, I I made my first film four years after they started, and just seeing their you know first couple early movies and that the fact that they were doing it in Jackson um, just really opened my eyes to the terrain that we had here. And, you know, it's the best home base I could think of to, uh, to have made these uh, storm show ski films on a, on a shoestring budget. So that's where we're at. Good work. And you've survived 20 years. That is its own uh, pat on the back. It's a dangerous, dangerous line of work out there in the mountains. And I've, amaze myself sometimes that I've made it as long as I have but um along with filming these lines I like to also you know test my limits in the mountains and thankfully I've uh been able to you know bite off some big lines and get out of them safely and um yeah you know I'm 44 years old now and a lot of that stuff is kind of in the past for me and that's fine I I uh don't have anything else to prove in front of the camera anymore so that's where we're at. Have you had some oh snap moments? It's like maybe I shouldn't have done that, or this is about to happen, and it and it does, and it's like whoo. Yeah, um, I mean, just getting in over your head in the mountains and being perched on the edge edge of a cliff when you wish that you were uh, home watching TV or something. <laughs> but um, you know, going through those moments though, they also uh, make you a. Uh, I would think a stronger person mentally and physically and um, just knowing that you can get yourself in some of those situations usually on purpose and uh, find a way to safely get out of them and get home is a it's a rewarding experience and it uh, it does it makes you mentally tough and you're a skier or snowboarder Um, I snowboard I grew up skiing I can still Mm -hmm. ski but uh you know, not much more than groomers. I'm not like a deep pal skier. And, you know, I really think snowboarding is just easier on the body. It's just less, uh, less, less rattling that your body's taken. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, just easier way to get down the mountain. So I don't need to take the hardest route all the time. Somebody asked me, wanted me to ask you why, when you go into the backcountry, because you're going to take your snowboard, do you snowshoe versus using a split board to do your ascent? I used to snowshoe until I got a, I finally got a split about five or six years ago oh, Okay. for the first 15 plus years of cutting my teeth in the mountains. I did use snowshoes mm-hmm. and I look back on that and I'm kind of shocked that I did it so far. I mean, some of the trips I've been on have been, you know, 40 mile, um, winter camping trips and that's a long way to walk in snowshoes and a 80 pound pack on your back 
but it's also it's always been really dependable you know i haven't had to deal with um or i should say you know going out with partners that have skins and slip boards or you know ski skin setups they've you know dealing with problems with their skins or skins freeze up um you know they gotta kind of do a zigzag line to get up uh, a face or whatever whereas snowshoes can go straight up the mountain so they uh they both have have their perks okay so you're a holdout for a little bit but now you've joined the club of the split board. I love split board. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll let yeah, him know. It's, it's a lot more mindless, <laughs> and to get the board off your back and have less weight on your back is, uh, I appreciate that now. But it did. It, uh, yeah, I cut my teeth early on snowshoeing and um, just huffing around a bigger pack than most people and made me tough. I bet it did. <laughs> made <you> strong. <laughs> So when you were first filming and going there, going out into the backcountry, you're hauling around how much the weight of the equipment just on a regular film day? Well, I kind of, uh, I do it differently than I would say most other film companies. I have consumer grade cameras and I fix a lot of the shots in the editing. So, you know, I don't go out there with a tripod all the time, you know, my cameras, I own a couple cameras, but my cameras are like the size of a, a 16 ounce beer can, you know? So they're all mostly lightweight. Um, I've mastered the art of, I call it the backpack tripod. You put your backpack on the ground or on the snow and you, uh, you know, that's how you get stability with the camera. So it's not always handheld, especially when we're shooting like a Barbie line that's a half mile or a mile away and you're zoomed in all the way. You can't you can't get a good shot if you're trying to just hold it, uh, hand, hand hold it. So master the art of the backpack tripod. I don't have to carry around a tripod. And since I have minimal weight with my cameras, I can still go rip, you know, rip the big lines with the people I'm skiing with. And um, I love it. It's a blast. But when you first started filming the cameras weren't that small you had to you were taking you said filming on vhs well the first first couple of years that i got into it we did have bigger cameras and they were uh you know these like four thousand dollar canon what was it canon vx1 or something so it was like just at that turning point where the cameras were getting more consumer grade and lighter but those first couple of years yeah we we splurged on uh on two big cameras and that limited what we could ski you know i didn't want to jump off a 20-foot cliff with a four thousand dollar camera in my back but once cameras got down to like you know 1200 1500 bucks and they're just smaller and you can put them in a in like a hard case then then you could jump off whatever you wanted to you had to have some sort of semblance of responsibility (laughs) little bits mostly just staying safe but uh we we had a pretty good we've had a pretty good track record i've kind of blow up a camera every five years but if you can get through five years with a you know thousand dollar camera that's not too bad it's pretty darn good yeah i want to go back to one of the other things that you first mentioned as well and it's i think i feel i know about them but it's important that other people know some history of this group the jackson hole air force tell us how did that begin and then what and also what is the jackson hole air force 
You guys should see uh, this movie called Swift Silent Deep that John Klackowitz um, was uh, one of the co-producers that made it. But it tells the story of the Jacksonville Air Force, and I probably learned more than more than definitely more than I ever knew about him by watching this movie. Uh, it came out about 10 years ago. But Benny Wilson, um, Howie Henderson, pretty sure those are the two guys that uh, that started it off. But then there's a whole other, you know, group of uh, hardcore skiers that were, you know, breaking off first descents in the 60s, 60s and 70s. Um, Brian Rudder, uh, Rusty, drawing a brain fart with his last name, but, um, you know, Telly Skier, these guys, uh, Brian and Rusty, Rudder and Rusty, those guys were were doing like, you know, once is enough, Kolar is a 60 degree, even 65 degrees at the top. It's completely uh, vertical face at the top. And then, you know, it gets down to whatever, mid 50s, 50 degrees down in the coulee, but no one had ever done those lines. And, and these guys on Telly's were... Uh, what? Yeah, the first guys to, to break that stuff off. Um so, you know, I think that's just how Air Force came about. Um, you know, back then, too, there were there were uh, no uh, no open gate policy. So the Air Force crew was ducking the ropes to go ski the Jacksonville backcountry and, you know, going into Granite Canyon and these places that were, you know, not only closed and off limits, but people didn't know what was back there and... Is, was borderline, you know, deadly. Like, you didn't know if you are going to be skiing down this um, blind rollover couloir that it might end in a freaking 200-foot cliff. So these guys, um, you know, just explored the area, and now people do all this stuff on a, on a day-to-day basis, but they kind of just created the whole the whole genre of, of backcountry skiing in Jackson. And, um, you know, the, the patches and all that is, I think it's... Uh, I think it's kind of funny because people see people see Air Force crew wearing their patches, and it's almost like they're in a, a biker gang. You know, they steer <laughs> clear of them. You don't know if they're have shovels in their backpack or weapons. So mm-hmm. if you see them, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I see some of the window stickers that they put on their vehicles as well. Yeah. So the, it's a rite of passage. Yep. Um, you can't just go into a store and, and buy an Air Force patch. You have to be uh, given a patch. Which it means the most if if the original you know Air Force crew are the ones to give you a patch. So yeah, mad respect to those guys. I was blessed into the group in '08 by Rudder, and uh, it it uh, bring a tear to my eye. I'd I'd always seen these guys growing up in tramline when I was a kid, and you know they're skiing in jean jackets, and they they looked badass. You didn't want to mess with those guys, and uh, yeah, for me to finally get a patch after seeing them um, since I was a kid meant the world to me and and uh kind of your idols in the world of skiing yeah i mean i couldn't imagine being the first up uh you know skiing skiing some of these lines off cody peak and stuff the the very first people to have dropped in there like you don't know especially on the primitive equipment you know they're on like leather boots and stuff and you Hmm. can just bounce off the mountain and cartwheel a thousand feet if you're uh not confident and a good enough skier to do it so yeah mad respect total I, I do idolize them it's awesome and it's also you know just to see the progression of of skiing over the decades um it's just given me a lot of com- um i don't know if confidence is the right word but just 
I guess the vision to go and, and seek out new lines um, and lines that you know that nobody's ever done here in town, you know, and to find a first descent here anymore is pretty rare. And it's, it's a scary thing stepping up to a line that nobody's ever done. But to know that um, these guys laid the groundwork and, and did it before you, it gives you a little bit of confidence that uh, a human being can get through something like that. Pretty fascinating to think about what you and those guys have done. Amazing. Got to take some deep breaths when you're up there. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, bring a, bring a roll of toilet paper. You know it. <clears throat> so, um, Swift, Silent, Deep. Yep. That's one of your films. No, that was uh, the film about Jackson Hole Air Force. Okay. Um, who put that film out? That was... Um, I don't remember the production company, but John Klakowitz, who uh, has worked with Teton Gravity... On, on a handful of films over the years he's one of the main producers and then i'm drawing a brain fart right now i can't remember the other producer um it's all right but yeah good documentary though yeah it's awesome cool. if you want to learn about the jackson Hole air force check it out for cool sure. so we're going to take a quick break get a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back mountainweather.com the go-to website in and around jackson hole for weather in the mountains Founded in 1991 as a way to keep track of weather information by the meteorologist Jim Wood Mancini. Mountain Weather also provides forecasting services for special events and mountaineering expeditions around the world. You know the mountain weather forecast is the best because it comes from someone who loves spending time in the mountains. Jim is a former Jenny Lake climbing ranger. He's an avid backcountry skier, mountain biker, and a certified avalanche instructor. Visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash mountainweather to learn a whole lot more. Welcome back. We were just finished talking about the Jackson Hole Air Force. And now I want to get into what you do. You're documenting some phenomenal skiing expeditions here in, in the area, here in Jackson Hole. And you've been doing it for 20 years now. What is the name of the website that people can go to to access your videos our website is stormshow.com um, and we're just doing a major overhaul on the website uh, vhs tapes dvds kind of bit the dust over the years um, people that are you know watching movies online now are downloading their movies and streaming them and uh, we are just getting our website up to speed on that, and we have all of our uh, 20 films available on digital download. So you don't need a VHS or DVD player to watch your flicks anymore. You can watch them on your snart on your smartphone. Did you almost your, say smartphone? I said smartphone, <laughs> smartphone or computer, and yeah, they're you know along with just uh, getting rid of the whole uh, packaged movie thing you know we can drop the price down quite a bit more so you know we got movies for 10 bucks and under we got bundle deals three for 20 uh i think we got six for six for 40 bucks you know so they're they're priced to move and um you know like i say we got these going back 20 years and people can see what skiing was like here 20 years ago so uh right before fat skis came out is when about when we started have have any of your films won some awards? We have won some awards. Congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. It's been a long road to uh, get noticed in, in the industry a bit. Uh, but yeah, we won a handful of awards at the Cold Smoke Awards up in Montana. 
Uh, we kind of took that show over for a couple of years. We won, uh, yeah, best best line, best overall film for a couple of years in a row. And then I uh, got some props from Powder Magazine Video Awards a couple of years. And then in the past uh, nine, nine or so years, we've hooked up with the Ski Channel on DirecTV. And they came out with a uh, top 100 list of, you know, top 100 ski films of all time. And we got two of them on there. Nice. Yeah, we got a Trial and Error, our 2006 film, and 600 Inches, which was 2008. So let's talk about that year, 2008, 600 Inches. Had you ever experienced a year like that before? I don't think anybody did because that was a record-breaking year. And what was it like to be a part of a year where there were 600 inches of snow that fell accumulative over the ski season? You kind of almost turned into a powder snob because if it didn't <laughs> snow, you know, a foot or more, then there were some days when you just wouldn't even go for a six-inch day. I mean, I would try to go every day, but still, you'd just be like, oh, we only got six today. But, um, yeah, that was a phenomenal year. But then, you know, two years ago, what was it, 2017, our film White Wedding was a 700-inch year. And that was better than 600. And then, what was it as well? Uh, in 2011, our film Action Jackson, that was also uh, a 700-inch year. And when when we get that much snow, just crazy lines fill in. Um, lines that you wouldn't even be skiable on a on an average snow year, you know. Um, and that's when that's when a lot of first descents happen in Jackson. Is when some of these, uh, you know, some people call them superhero lines or superhuman lines fill in is when uh, you get a lot more options available on the mountain. And we've been fortunate enough to, to have documented some of those with some six skiers in town. Mike Tierney uh, definitely comes to mind. Andrew Whiteford, you know, these guys have, have the vision to uh, see the mountain in a different way. And when we have those big snow years, it's uh, something to take advantage of, and we do. And when you're talking about the mountain, are you talking about JHMR, or are you talking about the the Teton Range or pretty much yeah. the Teton Range okay. or right. you know even just going on some like winter camping expeditions. I haven't been on too many, but uh, you know going in going in the winds and seeing uh, you know some of these lines fill in in Titcomb Basin and stuff. Lines that you know may or may not have been skied at some point, but you know that you're going in there on a year that we've had, like I say, 700 inches of snow, and that doesn't happen every year. And to have, you know, everything line up to where you have the right conditions and the right ski partners, um, the, the right weather works out, you know, to, to have all that stuff come together and then be able to ski, you know, a super exposed, gnarly line in the middle of nowhere, it, I'd be hard-pressed to think that anybody had done that in the past. But, you know, who knows? Sweet. There's some pretty, in the world of ski terminology, some pretty sick stuff that you guys are doing out there. Um, and I, I want some people who are listening to understand that what you're filming and skiing and talking about is not the standard stuff that if you go buy a lift ticket that you're going to be exposed to. So I don't want anybody to get freaked out here that if they come out to Jackson Hole Mountain Resort or Targhee or Snow King, that they're going to be presented to some of these angled lines that they're going to all of a sudden be presented to you really have to work to get to these locations and these lines that you're talking about i mean a lot of them do take hours or days to to get to a zone but um 
you know, I'm not going to dumb it down for tourists. If you come out to Jackson Hole and you take a wrong turn, yeah, you could easily fly off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, you can. So you got to just pay attention to the signs and, and uh, you know, look at the map and make sure you have some inkling of where you're going. That's helpful. You know, have a good good head on your shoulders for sure. Yep. Um, but there's stuff here as well for beginners. I hear from friends, oh, I couldn't go ski Jackson Hole yeah. Mountain No, Resort. you could. You could it's get like, down yeah. you can get down a green circle run off the tram. Yeah. It's, so it, it, it is doable. I've done it. But I also don't mind scaring the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of your some of your videos. If if there's one line or one video, one movie that you've created, which one would you say that people should go watch? Well, of all your children, see. do you have yeah, a favorite? So we, have, we got 20 <laughs> movies out, um, or 19 movies, I should say, up until the current one that I'm editing right now, which is our 20-year anniversary film, and that is going to be the best of our 20 years. It's called Top 100, and we're counting down the top 100 ski lines that we've filmed since uh, the late 90s. So when I'm done editing this one, I'll definitely say that this one is the one to see, but since you know I'm still in editing hell on this one, uh, we're shooting for a February release date on this current film. But the past film um, that has the biggest, burliest lines, I'd probably say was uh, Action Jackson in 2011. Like I say, it was a 700-inch year, and uh, just some big, big badass lines got broken off. Um, handful of first descents in Jackson, the Nomad Couloir, um, Bird Brain Couloir, which is been skied over the decades with a rappel you know people have rappelled the cliff at the bottom of the couloir um Derek DePiro does a, a free ski and does a front flip off at probably 80 80 plus feet and you know nobody's ever done that before uh so yeah Action Jackson super exciting check it out that's awesome an 80 foot jump with a front flip at least. It's probably more like 120 feet if you measured it with a tape measure from Jeez. the takeoff to the landing. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. What adrenaline. I mean, what does that feel like, you filming it and being a part of that? I'm not as gripped as the skier, but I'm so gripped, I'm almost breaking my camera. I'm holding it so hard. I mean, it is it is uh, gripping because you don't, you know, there, there's no guarantee that, that everything's going to work out and be and be okay, even though it is... I'd say 99% of the time, um, but that's what makes skiing and snowboarding these lines and watching the movies so exciting is that it's, it's never, um, it's never a guarantee. And that's what, yeah, that's what makes it so, so alluring, I think. And do you only film ski videos or are you helping produce other types of videos as well? Um, I do some other commercial work. I've um, filmed with National Museum of Wildlife Art for about the past 10 years and made um, probably over 40, uh, you know, short web videos that feature their, um, you know, prominent artists that they have in the museum. A lot of the times the artists will come to Jackson and then we'll interview them and I will, you know, cut together their artwork and, and whatnot into the video. Other times I've traveled to where they are, uh, you know, set up their uh, art studio in, you know, not too far, but I've been, you know, Coeur d'Alene and Cody, Wyoming and whatnot. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a great gig. You know, I've, I've learned how to, uh, 
just film the the commercial side of things instead of just making ski films. So I've been really fortunate to do that. And you have another hustle too. Yep. Yeah. That's my main, main, uh, cash cow is, uh, I run a professional window cleaning company in town, glass masters. And that's kind of how I got my start back in the day with films is, uh, my buddy Jeff Tibbetts and I, we started a window cleaning company in 1997. And um, that's how we bought our first cameras and our first computer to uh, to edit. And that's, uh, that's how I get by in the summers. And then in the winters, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to, to have this uh, ski film production company. And that keeps me busy in the winters and, you know, just editing in the off season. But like I say, you know, this, the... The film company is definitely shoestring budget. I'm not, I don't own a million dollar house or anything like that in Jackson, but it's, it's all passion. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in it and I've never been in it for the money. It's just uh, what I love to do. So that's where I've been. I, I appreciate what you just said. It's, it's all passion. And how does that passion help you keep going every day and put in the strenuous hours that you have to put in to do the editing and the filming and I just kind of take it one day at a time and one film at a time. And, uh, you know, when I started, when I started this out 19 years ago, there's no way I thought I'd be doing this for 20 years, but, um, just to see the, the caliber of skiing in Jackson and the, the caliber of skiers that have, you know, stepped up and wanted to be a part of storm show films, um, you know, guys and girls alike has just been really motivating to keep the show going. You know, I, I don't take I don't take editing lightly. I want these movies to be, uh, you know, I don't want people to be yawning in the middle of the of a movie or something. So I I spend a lot of time on making it uh, just you know pleasing to the eye, fixing fixing a shaky shot, you know, color correcting. You know, it, it's it's not like uh, it's not like uh, buying a, a a newspaper or something that is most likely going to be thrown in the trash or something. No offense to. Uh, to uh jack soul news and guide or anything but you know these movies are um hopefully get replayed over and over for decades and you can you know show your show your grandkids what it was used to be like in jackson back in the day so well congratulations and thank you for keeping this passion alive for 20 years that's that's huge not everybody's willing to do that for something that others might consider a hobby but um it's like you said, shoestring budget. You're not flying around the around here in a private airplane or Yeah, no, true. It's yeah. uh it's been an honor and a privilege and you know, also talking about the budget, I couldn't do it without uh local sponsors in town, which um I gotta mention T L S. You guys have been <laughs> the liquor store has been a sponsor of our movie since two thousand four and um you know, local sponsors have really helped with uh just you know, really keeping the dream alive because you know, we're not selling thousands of films a year by any means. And um, the sponsors help so I can spend months, you know, even on this current film, I'm going to end up spending about six months of editing, putting this movie together. And um, when you spend that much time on something, it's it's more than just a hobby and you got to pay some bills on the side. So mad props to our sponsors. Glad to be a, a supporter, a sponsor of of the great work that you're doing because it's, it's important to support local businesses, local people. And, and like you said, you're documenting the history and you've now been doing it for 20 years out here and history's important. I love it. Glad you see the, glad you see the value in it. Yeah. And my little secret is 
and I think I've shared this with you before, is I've never been to a ski film premiere since I've lived here. And now it's almost my badge of honor <laughs> that I haven't been to a ski film premiere. You got to break yeah. that. Someday I will. Yeah. When the boys get to be a little bit older, maybe. Yeah. And, and they want to do it. <laughs> they're a lot of fun. It's more than... It's more than just uh, you know sitting down to watch a ski film. It's hanging out with all your friends and and also you know knowing a good many of the people in the movie. You know they're just they're not uh they're not all sponsored athletes that are you know jet setting around the world. They're just uh, you know regular regular Joes and Janes that uh, work you know work even service industry jobs in town, but they're out uh, ripping on the hill. And it's been an honor to to film them and document them. Document cool. it. So if folks wanted to connect with you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, I would say go to go to our website, stormshow.com. Go to the contact page. Uh, my email and contact info is on there. Um, you could also get a hold of us on our Facebook page, Storm Show Studios. And, um, but yeah, I'm also trying to get out on the ski hill once a day if I'm lucky, so... See me in Tramline or recognize recognize my voice. Don't don't hesitate to say hi. You're an easy guy to talk to, so I think. Uh, but just don't follow if if you're not used really know where you're going. Don't follow Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> I would highly recommend that, especially on Fridays. We have a we have a little a group of a, a tight group of friends, and um, we have hoodies that say, don't follow me, you won't make it. Uh-huh. And we wear those hoodies every Friday, and we call it Don't Follow Me Friday. So definitely don't follow us on Fridays. Nice. I love it. Daryl, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule while you're preparing to launch this 20th film. And congratulations on 20 years, and thanks for coming here today. Thank you very much. I hope you make it 20 years, too, of the podcast. Nice yeah. work. <laughs> thanks, Daryl. Take care. All right, Stephen. Thanks. To learn more about Daryl and his ski films, visit the thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 69. And I really do love hearing from my subscribers and listeners. So please send me an email at connectthejacksonholeconnection.com. Get out there, share the episode, subscribe, rate them, review them. You can do it. Help spread the word of what we're doing here. And please remember to visit mountainweather.com to learn more about what's happening in your mountains. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I really look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.